Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business, presented by FL Montreal. My name is Dan Delmar, and filling in for my co-host Mike Newton tonight is our former co-host, Josh Miller. Welcome back, Josh. Hello, Dan. How you doing? There's there's that hello. We missed you. Uh, I'm good. How are you? Uh, Doing great, Uh, notwithstanding all the craziness that has definitely happened this this year. It's uh, It's been quite the year. Um, tell us quickly, where have you been? Um, you've moved on from FL, uh, and you're, you're in a very interesting business right now. Well, I am in, in aerospace and aviation, and, uh, but thankfully we're more on the defense sector, the military side. So, so we're not on the commercial side, which has obviously been devastated. And, uh, and as we know, in Montreal, we're big into aerospace here. So a lot of the commercial, uh, business has, let's just say people have had to got, get a little, um, little creative in what they do with their businesses. So thankfully that, and it's, uh, it's, it's a really interesting because it's not just Canada, it's worldwide. And the fact that this, uh, this pandemic is, is around the world, of course, uh, every single one of our locations gets affected. So never a dull moment. That's for sure. When you talk to your, your contacts internationally, are they optimistic about 2021 or, you know, what, what's the sentiment in the international business community right now? I think it depends where, like, right, basically we're Canada, US, Australia, and New Zealand. And I would say, uh, well, as we can see in the US, it's very divided. So some, some will say, yeah, you know, 2021 will be great. And others will say, well, what are you talking about 2021? It's 2022. I think from a New Zealand standpoint, uh, they, they have done a tremendous job of keeping their cases down to a minimum, as has Australia. But they've gone, certainly in New Zealand's case, a very, very strict lockdown. And that's what's put them in a great, great aspect or, or standpoint from, from the number of cases. The flip side of that coin is one of their largest industry, industries is tourism, and that's in the dumps. So the only way that that's going to come back is if they, if they loosen up a little bit. And where do you draw the line? And Australia, broken down by province, uh, as, as you might see, there are some provinces, like in Canada, there's some places that are doing well, some places that are not. But all in all, people are looking more towards the latter half of 2021 uh, to be a little bit more normal than, than the first. Excellent. And our profile this evening is Annick Damour from Trois Femmes Un Coussin. Not sure if they actually started with Un Coussin, but she's built it into a, a very interesting business that covers all kinds of homeware. Um, very beautiful art, uh, art for the home. And uh, Annick will join us in a little while. But first, Josh, uh, some news and notes uh, like we used to do back in the day. And this from Forbes.com, mistakes to avoid during a virtual meeting presentation. And I know at least one prominent pundit, a CNN pundit, got caught uh, literally with his pants down on Zoom. Uh, Josh, dress and go to work every morning is my advice for people that work from home. Dress and go to work every morning. It's, it's amazing how, how some people have kept their standards and, and, and in some cases elevated them. And others are like, well, what's the point? I'm home. You know, people will want me or like me for, for what I offer and not necessarily how I look. But Depend, and of course, it depends on what business you're in. You know, it's uh, certainly in the aviation side, it might be less important as we deal with, with governments and army bases around the world. But the reality is you still got to look a little bit professional, a little bit something. But forget the look, forget, the, forget that aspect of it. The technology, you know, make sure that at least it's working, you know, so that when you start a meeting at 3 p.m., it doesn't start at 3.20 p.m. because you're trying to get 
all the things, you know, put together and sounding right and whatever. So I, I think getting your technology down is absolutely a, an aspect to it. No, no question about it. Now that's on the back end. Certainly when you're talking about the, the CNN and on the front end, there's no question that, uh, that you could be very self-conscious. Uh, I know what I do. I turn off my video. So I don't have to look at myself when I talk because so I don't lose focus and lose concentration. Uh, that to me is uh, certainly helps me. You know, I try to look in the camera, although it's, it's, it's interesting because depending on the number of screens and, and how the setup is, your camera could be, your camera could be high up, but your, your image is down. So it looks like you're always looking down and not at the person in the eye. So I like to try and look at the camera or at least place the image as close to the lens as possible. Uh, little tricks that you can do to at least show that you're engaged in that conversation, because as we know, it's not the same as, as being in the same room, even if you are six feet apart. And just, you know, keep the pants on. That's, that should be a basic. As well. and, and keep the pants on, or at least keep the camera above the waist. Uh, this from a Harvard Business Review, four ways to reconfigure your sales strategy during COVID. Um, I was never the best salesperson, but I, I feel uncomfortable um, pitching people at this time. I, I, feel, I, I feel like I'm a burden. Have you changed have the way you pitch people, Dan, like during this time? I haven't really done a whole lot of pitching lately, to be honest, for that very reason. I'm trying to create value through newsletters, through blogs, um, giving away some uh, crisis material, but I'm, I'm a little shy to pitch. And, uh, you know, certainly understandably so. And everybody, every character is different. And there's no question. And when we talk to Anik a little later, we'll see that she's a couple of partners and they really try to play to their strengths. So Anik, between Anik and her partner Sandrin, they really try and, and do what each of them do best. Uh, for businesses and, you know, pitching or whatever, I, I understand maybe you need that other people in your organization and get the strengths up. That being said, find a way to get in front of your customer. You know, the, the reality is, the sales experience today is not what it is or not what it was and might not be what it, what it was going forward. So find something a little bit unique, find something a little different. It's like an elevator pitch, you know, you got to find your opening line. Once you get your opening line, the rest should follow. For us, I think, and for a lot of millennial businesses, it's give away a bit of your time. That's, that's often what, uh, what it comes down to is just share your knowledge. I think that's always been that way. We've always professed in the, in the many years we've been doing the show, give to get. You know, do you, do you, can you give a little bit uh, and share what, what that knowledge you have, what a taste for what they can expect going forward? And in return, they, they'll hopefully build that, that trust or professional trust that, uh, that you'll take going with you going ahead. Let's welcome in our guest. She is the co-founder of Trois Femmes Arcousset, Anik Damoul. Welcome, Anik, to today's Entrepreneur. Thank you. Thank you to have me. And, you know, the very first question, Dan, because I haven't asked it in a while, so I got to come to it. <laughs> Just so that the listeners have an idea of exactly what is Trois Femmes et Cousin, Anik, tell us what is, a, what is your business about? Uh, Trois Femmes et Cousin is a, is a multi-business. Actually, we do import, resell. We are, uh, uh, we are reseller and importers of uh, Art de la Table, which means uh, glassware, uh, porcelain, china, cutlery. First for hotel and restaurants, and we do have a business for retail. And I, I know we're going to get a little bit to how COVID has affected you later, certainly on the, on the restaurant uh, side of your business. But before we get there, uh, when did you start this business? How long ago? 
20 years ago. Yeah. What were you doing before then? Like, did, were you doing something similar that are you and your partners at the time? Not at all. <laughs> Actually, I study, I've done two BAs, one in cinema and one in communication. My partner study graphism and, uh, art, you know, graphic design. And, um, and we were working in, working in a restaurant at the time while we were studying. And then I, and I was very into magazines and art de vivre and I couldn't find anything interesting in Montreal. So I was just like, let's start my own collection. And uh, I was working with Sandrine, which was just like a, like a restaurant colleague. And uh, she was painting at the time. And I asked her if she wants to join me in that kind of, uh, it wasn't a business at the time. I didn't know what I was doing at all <laughs> and where, where, did the, uh, where did the idea come from was the idea of the three of you or uh, no actually it's because I bought a house at the time and my um, my boyfriend was living in Paris and uh, that sounds like very you know like glamorous but it wasn't anyway so <laughs> so then we bought a house in Montreal and I was getting my stuff in Paris because I couldn't find anything in Montreal then I was buying magazines and and so and so so I wanted to bring Art de Vivre the Allure Européenne in uh, in Montreal, so and but I had all my ideas, but I'm I'm not an artist. I'm just like someone with with ideas, and Sonia is an artist. So I was thinking that she might uh, can paint on the dishes. So it was very like you know like very artsy fartsy at the beginning. And <laughs> so so this retail store, I mean, you you have your own designs, or you've gotten designs from from like you say from at Paris the beginning. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, at the beginning, uh, we uh, we bought the, the the porcelain from from stores in Montreal, and then we were painting on them our own design, and then that was like you know couldn't couldn't last. But when we start when we launched the the company, because um, we were doing cushion as well, so we were three three ladies, and we were making cushions, and we were painting and painting on the, on the dishes. Uh, so when we started, when we launched the, the business, uh, all the restaurants, owners and people we were working with, they were just like, oh, we want our own like dishes, like, uh, you know, custom dishes. And and nobody was really into cushions. We were like, OK, so let's reorient our like uh, our business and let's concentrate on uh, on restaurants and, and on like custom dishes. And we didn't know how to do custom dishes. We didn't know how to import. We didn't know where to get the plates. So, yeah. How, how far into your, your start did this happen? Was this very quickly on? Um, yeah, it, it, everything happened in a year. We just like, after like a few months, we were just like, okay, that's it for the cushion. Let's find a, a line in France. And, you know, like 20 years ago, like there was internet, but not that much. So we find a line in in France, and then there was that show in Chicago. So I flew to Chicago, met this person, like you know, like uh, director of marketing international, and so and so. So I convinced him to have the line in uh, in Canada at the time. You know, it was like oh, Canada. and um, so we just order our first uh, our first order, and you know, we didn't have any money, so we went to see all. We ordered some samples. We went to see all our like friends were working in restaurants they put a deposit and with that money we bought our first order <laughs> you learned you learned about cash flow quickly yeah, yeah yeah actually yeah and nick i'm curious um few artists uh you know uh, endeavor to go into b2b how did you get used to that idea and when did you decide that that was that was the time to make the pivot 
we just learned like from from scratch. So there wasn't any like, okay, let's do B2B or let's do this because it just it just came naturally. And you know, we first import and then and then it was restaurants and that was our big business for until now. It's still how, how does, the last few months. How does uh, a new business kind of rookie entrepreneurs go to Paris and get designers to agree to sell them your product? I don't know. I guess I was uh, convincing or, but uh, you know, like when you start a business, you don't know what, what you're getting into. Uh, but when you really want this to work and to happen, you just, if, if you're not like convinced of what you're doing, of course you're not going to convince them. But if you take a flight, and then you go to Paris and you want to convince them, it's because you are convinced. And did you have, did you, did you have, that's okay. Did you, did you have like a written agreement? Did you, did they just trust you? Was it like, how did, how did you ink that deal? So to speak. You know, in, in, uh, in Europe, they, they do a lot of uh, handshake agreement. Like, and, and at the beginning, I didn't want to get into an agreement because, you know, I couldn't like, uh, you know, like tell them that I was I will buy in the next few years like uh, two millions dollars of, uh, of dishes. Like it was hard for me to, you know, to tell to tell them that I can do this and I can do that. So that the handshake for me was kind of cold at the beginning. Then when 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 we get bigger, I was like, okay, we need a contract. So then I hire. Uh, then you know I ask our lawyer about that, and he was like, you know what, Anik, even if you have like a very strong like, partnership agreement. If, you know, if the, the, the factory closed tomorrow, like what are you gonna do? Even if you have like an agreement. So why don't you just focus on your business, which is your branding. Because your branding is always gonna be the same. Even if you change uh, the company you're gonna sell, I mean, even if you change your partnership with people. And I was like, that was a great advice. No, listen, at the end of the day, you can put a lot on paper. There's no question about it. You can try and cover your rear end to the nth degree. But from a practical standpoint, you can't always protect it, or it might not be worth it to go chase after that mistake. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when somebody is overseas and, you know, where's the, where's the best bang for the buck for the entrepreneur? Trois femmes in Kusei, you were three partners. Yeah. You're no longer three partners, correct? No. No, no, there's only, I mean, there's only and I, Patricia uh, left the boat, like, um, I would say 15 years ago, she, um, she got pregnant, she had a baby and she wanted to stay home. Because of the baby, so. Was that, was that okay? Was it a difficult kind of breakup or a partner departure? Um, it was at the beginning, you know, it's always like sensitive because you're like, you know, it, it's just sensitive. It's like your your relationship is uh, is you know it's, it's like someone is breaking up with you. But uh, we we are in very good relations still now. now Did on. you was there a financial breakup as well? Did you have a shareholders agreement? Did you? <laughs> the thing the thing is, you know, when she left, we were like, you know, we weren't make any money. It was like maybe four years after the business we we start the business, so we were still in in debts and. So we didn't give her like a third of the debts we had. We just said, okay, let's leave it that way. <laughs> and Nick, uh, it's, been, it's been tough for a lot of retailers, uh, certainly people that have a lot of web-based businesses. Um, how has this, this crazy year been for you? 
it was uh, <laughs> very bad. <laughs> I cannot choose a better word. It was very bad in terms of like 85% of our business is hotel, restaurants, and corporation. And uh, 45% of our total year is in May, uh, April, May, and June. So we lost like 45% of our business in three months. Uh, so it was um, it was terrible at the beginning because you don't know you don't know what's gonna happen, and uh, and then you're like okay so there's no way there's no way this is gonna kill my business so so you just roll your <laughs> your shirt and uh, you 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 know you focus on what's good and um, you find solution. And there's there's no question there's a lot of strategies you can do and and I know you you built recently uh, an e-commerce site and we'll come to that in a moment because that's mm-hmm. always interesting to to hear about but let's just like kind of get down to the to the dollars and cents behind it and not necessarily revealing numbers but you when you started your business originally you were self financed or were there was there a bank involved. Uh, we were self-financed big time. I mean, like the three of us at the beginning when we were three, like our like tips money were were paying our like uh, business cards, and uh, that's you know it's it's like exactly what was it all about? It was our tips that we were making in restaurants that was financing that, that project at the time. It was really a project, and then we uh, then we got a, a subvention or a prize. It was a prize. We win that prize for a plan d'affaires, business plan. And that gives us like $12,000. So we could surf on that. So we bought our first, you know, like, not equipment, but uh, I mean, like uh, goods and, you know, plates mm-hmm. and matières and, premières. Uh, and then we got, a, um, and then we got a, a loan from the BDC because at the beginning, we didn't know how to do custom plates, but you need a you know, you need a, an oven for that. So we have to buy an oven. <laughs> it's not an oven. It's a, it's a kiln. Yeah, it's a kiln, yeah. yeah Whatever it's a kiln. To, to cook the paint on the... Exactly. On the so we bought a kiln. So we, uh, and then my mother uh, signed to get a small uh, credit line. And then uh, after a few years, we were able to, you know, make it happen. How, how was it dealing with kind of your banks or financial partners, if I can put it, back then and what were they like how have they been this year uh the bank were very i mean this year was incredible but i mean it was incredible for us in terms of we are a solid business now so it's not like they were like it's like you know the first six months because uh, our financial uh, year started on october 1st so the first six months of our year was just amazing we never had such a good year so it was easy to just call the bank and said okay this is it blah 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 and you know with the government help as well you know it was we could you know it was easy for us i'm not saying that it was easy for everyone but in in terms of a you know strong and solid company which i consider we are um you know we could have a very good you know very good deal with the banks and your location you're located in the plateau right yeah (laughs) have you always been in that space um, almost. We've been here. We've been on the plateau for 16 years. Yeah. But we're off Broadway. We're not on a commercial street. And is that location been good for Like, why that location? Uh, because at the time, we heard that location was getting, 
was getting, getting vacant and available. And because we were working with restaurants, we didn't want them to think that we were going retail and they're going to lose their kind of a, we have a very, very special and uh, beautiful uh, relationship with our restaurants and hotel uh, clientele. So we wanted to keep that. We didn't want to move into like a, a commercial suite and start being like a boutique. Mm-hmm. There was and no boutique at the time. <laughs> no, and being a boutique in and of itself is is a marketing strategy, right? Because it's Absolutely. a little cachet. It's a little, you're not meant for the masses. Um, was that one of your, your more successful marketing decisions? Were there any other marketing efforts? Uh, and I know I'm leading into the e-commerce site during COVID, but even before there, uh, was there um, anything else? That again, it wasn't like, it wasn't planned. I mean, we probably have a, had a certain... Uh, knows for going at the right place at the right moment uh, it you know it's our boutique is very niche so people are coming to our boutique they're not like you know bump into the boutique sometimes yes but uh the fact that we are like at this place it just give us a certain you know like how mm-hmm. can i say that uh Je ne sais quoi. Uh, je ne sais quoi. Let's, <laughs> let's put it that way. <laughs> so, so now, now we're kind of, you know, we're talking about marketing. There's, as we've seen in many businesses uh, during COVID, where there's limited face-to-face contact, online business, online transactions. Uh, it was hard to escape that reality mm-hmm. or that necessity for any business. Did you have, how was your website before COVID? How is it today? And how has been that, what's been the, the, the most difficult point to get from A to B? Uh, it's two world uh, if we compare six months ago and now. Uh, we had a, a, a website, but it was like, we, nobody never told us until now, until like six months ago that our website was like bad, like very bad old website. But the thing is people were not, people don't buy dishes on the web, not a lot, even though now that we have a new beautiful website, it's uh, it's because if people wants to feel and touch. But uh, from from March until now, now we have a Shopify new website. Uh, we had help from this generous, amazing president of a company, big company who does Shopify website, who helped us pro bono to start to start building that new website. And uh, Sandrine did all the work for the last four months. She's been working days and nights to put everything in the website. Now we have a beautiful, very sexy website. We, you, we just love it. <laughs> was it difficult? Was it, I, know, I know it was more Sandrine you were explaining that was involved, but mm-hmm. was, it, was it a lengthy process to get up and running or is it not as daunting or as scary as, as it is, especially when you're using a good, a good background? Actually, we do have beautiful products. We do have beautiful pictures. We have taste. Um, we knew where we wanted to go. So uh, it just, it, it just, it means a lot of work. It's a lot of hours. If you don't have like $30,000 to spend on a website, you need 30,000 hours <laughs> to, to, uh, to spend on it. No question. And there's, and I'm sure there's also, if, forget the, the, the visuals in front. There's a lot of back end. You have to collect a lot of information. You have to make mm-hmm. sure it's it's set up properly. There's confidential information. Uh, we won't even go into the cybersecurity behind it. That's that's kind of a whole other level in discussion. Uh, 
uh, and and I guess there's there's all that setup, which which I know is is crucial to setting up that website, and uh, and we want to hear more about that from you, but also we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about more about that from a tax side of things as well. And uh, Josh, we're gonna finish off uh, with Annick Demour from Trois Femmes Un Coussin and her one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur coming up in a few minutes. But first, we go to Ernie Furt, FL Tax Partner, for some advice on e-commerce and sales tax. Ernie, welcome back to CJD. Always a pleasure. And I know uh, Josh, Ernie knows uh, the difference between doing e-commerce in Delaware and versus e-commerce in Michigan and all these different rules uh, across American states especially, but we won't do all 50 states, maybe just the basics tonight. Well, that, that's the whole thing. It's e-commerce. It could be worldwide. So there's, there's so many rules and aspects behind it, but the basics are still there. Uh, you know, the basics of, because it also depends, are you a service business or are you shipping product? But we're not going to steal from Ernie's thunder just yet. You're doing uh, quite well. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I'll correct as you go along. That's no, fine. Not at all. I, I guess e-commerce is not new to us, but there's no question that there's still a lot of detail behind it. So Ernie, when somebody says, you know, I'm launching an e-commerce site, what are the first challenges that come to mind? Well, first of all, one of the biggest challenges is how are you going to do it? Are you going to do it yourself? Are you going to go to Shopify? Are you going to go to Amazon? How are you going to go to Amazon? You know, what, what, are, what are your plans effectively as to how you want to approach the e-commerce world? Because some people like to do it themselves. Some people like to do a combination. Some people say, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Let, let Amazon do it. Let Shopify do it. So that's the first question. Then the next question is, what do you want your customer to have at the end of the day? Do you want seamless service whereby they get the good at their premises all delivered, all paid, no mystery bills coming in the mail from Canada Post or the Canada Revenue Agency or anything like that, or a state government. Um, it's all, it's basically what you want. And what you want, it can be designed, you know, depending on where you're going to do the business. Oh, I don't want to sell into such and such a place. Okay, so we won't. So we won't deal with that province or state. But a lot of people say, I just want to sell. I want to sell everywhere I possibly could. So then we have to take a look at where we want to do that sale. Let's let's focus on Canada first. And exactly. And and let's say we're dealing with a product. I mean, Anika is experiencing selling a product from her location. And, you know, she if somebody wants to somebody sitting in Michigan and wants to buy it and she's shipping it there. Does she have to worry about it differently than if somebody is sitting in the plateau three blocks away from her? Um, it's all still online, but. How does, how does that work? Well, there, there's differences and there's different thresholds and different jurisdictions, especially in the United States. And each, each of those jurisdictions are different. And either it goes by number of sales that you make in that particular jurisdiction in the U.S. Or alternatively, it, 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 you just decide to register in that state pay and charge that tax to the individual. Because the states are different than Canada because they're going to, they, they won't, necessarily mail you something they're going to kind of force you to self-assess on your personal tax return that's that use tax line if you've ever seen that on a state tax return so you know us is is very peculiar each state is different and it's it's a it's a minefield if you're going into the us and it's a lot easier and, and nick when you were going through that i mean some of the background information and if if this was more sandrine that's okay we can move on did you did you have to kind of think where you were shipping to and and how that how that online process worked? We never we 
like like um like ernie said before uh you know like the minefield we're not interested in you know like sometimes we, we never want to be like huge and big and take the entire world because i like to have like uh, i like to sleep at night and you know like just not thinking about you know all those kind of uh logistic at all so it was canada only we do we do ship a little bit in the states because we have those used to have tourists coming to our stores but uh but mainly it's it's canada and uh we're not very very into getting into those complicated laws and the nece the necessary evils of the world ernie there's a <laughs> there's a there's a big difference between when you're selling services and when you're selling product um when you're selling product i would imagine you you know exactly where you're shipping and sales tax rules at least in canada are fairly clear what if you're selling a service if I'm selling a service, generally I sell the service. It's it's based on bill to and not necessarily where the service is rendered or or, or a ship to because there is no ship to. There is effectively a bill to. Uh, depending on the type of service, there's a lot of varying place of supply rules on services. You know, you could have services like getting a haircut. That's a a, a local service, and that's going to be charged GST QST. You have other services like doing an inventory count in a jurisdiction, which the, the bank in Toronto has asked you to do, but the inventory count is, is in New Brunswick. So you have to charge New Brunswick sales tax rate on that. So there's a lot of different rules on services. There's a publication called B103 on the federal website that talks about all these different places supply rules for services. Goods, pretty easy. It's uh, based on bill to, not, uh, 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 sorry, based on ship to, pardon me, and not bill to. So you want to buy a present for your, for your brother uh, that lives in BC, you'll, you'll, you'll charge him to GST and possibly the provincial sales tax in BC. No, and it's and like you said, Ernie, it's a it's a minefield. There's so much information, and again, your services. Then you gotta maybe think of IP addresses and where somebody's coming from. So there's a whole whole slew of information that uh, that that are challenging for entrepreneurs. We can thank you very much. Show on it. Thanks very much, Ernie. Uh, much appreciated. And as we do each week, and I haven't asked this question in a little while, but I'm really happy to be asking it of Anik. Uh, Anik, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? After COVID, I would say when facing adversity, take a step back, look at the old picture and see it as an opportunity to make things better. Thank you very much, Anik. Uh, definitely wise words. My quick takeaway is kind of like that you you know you have to reinvent yourself we've said it often on the show you have to reinvent yourself when you when you have to and don't take long to do that because sometimes you don't have that time to pivot correct and nick thanks so much and uh, and your optimism uh, after a tough year is a breath of fresh air thanks for joining us on the show tonight thanks thanks to you thanks to having me here thanks as well to ernie furt and to you josh miller so nice to have you back we'll have you back uh, perhaps once more in a few months time i would look forward to that dan uh, that's uh so much fun. I miss well, it. Well, thanks for thanks for your insight as well. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks here on Today's Entrepreneur. Don't forget todaysentrepreneur.org for over a decade worth of shows hosted by Josh uh, to inspire you and your entrepreneur friends. And we'll be back here in a couple of weeks.